You are listening to 106.9 Tune FM, where I'm uh, delighted to be joined by a senior lecturer in physics, Stephen Bosey, who's going to be talking to us about a pretty remarkable discovery this morning. How are you, Stephen? I'm very well. That's and very great. excited about this discovery. Oh, well, I bet you are. Can you, uh, for those of us who are maybe not um, that educated on astronomy, can you tell us exactly what this discovery has been? Okay. The, the, the short summary is that at the European Southern Observatory, um, they use their very large telescope, which is an is array of telescopes that, uh, where the data are joined together to, to produce a much higher resolution image. Um, they've they've discovered that looking right back to a few hundred million years after the Big Bang, that that there are supermassive black holes already, and that up till now people have been wondering how something so early in the universe could have got so big if they if they didn't have enough food to feed on. Okay, let me let me explain. Uh, we've all heard of black holes. Now, there's basically different sizes. There's what's called the stellar black holes, stellar mass black holes. So these are things that are the size of our sun or, you know, a little bit bigger or whatever, you know, two or three times bigger, um, ten times bigger and so on. They're called stellar mass black holes. And we know how they form. They're just basically heavy stars that died and then collapsed. Uh, and then right at the other end of the scale, we've got these supermassive black holes that can be, you know, billions of the, uh, billions of stellar masses, you know, billions of times the mass of our sun. And looking way back to very, very early times, we find that they're already there and nobody really, up till now, had a really good idea how they formed because you think, all right, you've got a black hole, uh, anything that comes anywhere, you know, it, very, very close to the black hole will get sucked in. So, you know, maybe it'll just suck lots of stars in and get bigger and bigger. But to get to billions of times the size of our sun, you've got to suck in a lot of stars. Yeah. And up till now, there's been no particularly good evidence that there was enough material way back so early in the, in the universe that could have got sucked into these early black holes to form these supermassive black holes. So what, what this discovery is that, um, that at the European Southern Observatory, using, as I say, that very large telescope, where they basically have four telescopes. Each one's got an 8.2-metre-wide mirror that does the, you know, the focusing of the light. But the four of them, they combine the, the data together so that you get a very high resolution. Mm. Okay. What, what do I mean by resolution? It means the smallest dot in the sky you can focus on clearly. Mm. Okay. Now, that very large telescope, it's got a, a resolution of 0.002 arc seconds. What does that mean? It means that if I took a 10-cent piece and I took it 2,000 kilometres away, it would have a clear – it would clearly be able to resolve that 10-cent piece. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. Now um, – Okay, so what what they did with that is they put an instrument on it, which is called the MUSE, which is a multi-unit spectroscopic explorer. What it is, it takes rather than just taking pictures, astronomical pictures, it takes a picture, but for every pixel, it takes a spectrum. You, you know, okay. a spectrum is you take mm. the light, you split it up into different colours, and it gives you a barcode that that, amongst other things, tells you 
the temperature of that object, but it also tells you what elements are there. If you see the, the barcode for hydrogen, you know there's hydrogen there. So what they did was uh, they looked at these very distant things called quasars. Now, what's a quasar? A quasar is, um, well, maybe I need to tell you what a galaxy is. A galaxy <laughs> is like a big whirlpool of stars. We're mm. in a, a, a galaxy called the Milky Way. But if you go back to really, really early in the, uh, in the universe, you'll find that there are some of these um, galaxies have at the centre of them what we call an active galactic nucleus. And one kind of active galactic, uh, galactic nucleus is, is, a, is a thing called a quasar. And we now know that quasars have these supermassive black holes at the centre of them, just sucking stuff in. And if you're sucking lots of stuff in, they're very big. As the stuff goes in, they're giving off their energy as they get sucked into the black hole, and they're very, very bright in, mm. in all different colours of the spectrum. So what they did was they looked at... Um, I think they looked at 31 quasars, these, the, you know, just a few hundred million years after the Big Bang, mm. and looked using this, spe this imaging spectrometer, you know, this, this thing that takes the image and gives you a spectrum for each pixel, and they looked to see if there was any evidence for gas, enough gas surrounding these things to explain the huge amount of material that they would have had to have sucked in. Okay, if you're gonna if you're gonna make a supermassive black hole, you need a lot of food. Mm. And what they found was that surrounding these quasars, you had a cloud of hydrogen gas, about a hundred thousand light years in 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 radius. Um, and so that and so they, they they that's the final evidence that surrounding these these early quasars, there's enough gas to explain how they got that fat. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. Up till now, attempts to look for gas around these quasars had failed. There'd been earlier measurements using radio astronomy, also at, at this, also part of the European Southern Observatory in the Atacama Desert. They did some radio astronomy to try to look for evidence of the gas, and they weren't unable to find enough gas to explain it. But this finally nails it. That's pretty exciting. So what does that mean for the future of, uh, of, of how we look at the, the origins of the universe? Um, where does the science go from here? Well, um, it just means, well, amongst other things, th that trying to explain how we got supermassive black holes so early in, in the universe was a really m a big hole in our understanding of, of the formation of these things. So now that we finally understand that, all the theory behind the star formation in the early, and, and galaxy formation in the, in the early universe, we finally can say uh, with, with a lot more confidence, now this is how they formed. So once that mystery is solved, it means that a whole bunch of other ideas become uh, certain ideas turn out will turn out not to be right, and certain other ideas will turn out to be right. Because up till now we've been kind of guessing how they formed, but now we have the evidence that that it really does happen that way. It's pretty historic, then. Yeah, that's re truly remarkable. So, um, in terms of uh, the very large telescope in um, and, and and this discovery, yeah. Um, how how much uh, effort and resources goes into a discovery like this and how, um, I, I guess, how big of a project would it be just to come to this, this kind of conclusion? Well, you've got four telescopes in the Atacama Desert 
with 8.2 metre telescope uh, uh, mirrors. Okay, so they're, they're they're big telescopes, and you've got four of them chained together to um, to do this. So that's that's a lot of you know that's expensive telescope, and somebody would have had to you know to get that telescope time on such an important instrument. They have to convince the, the people who run it that this is a project worth doing. So they, uh, now in terms of how much money, I, I have no idea how much any of this costs. We scientists, uh, uh, we, we're so focused on the on the, the physics numbers that that we leave leave the the, the dollar numbers to uh, <laughs> to <laughs> other people. <laughs> that's fair enough. That's a that's a good way to live, I think. But, but uh, oh, to give you give you another idea of of the um, the complexity of this measurement. Um, one of the reasons why you do this in a desert is because you've got dry air and water vapour absorbs infrared. So if you've got dry air, you can do you can make, do those infrared measurements better. But also you want the air to be still because shaking air makes stars twinkle, which is bad for astronomy because you don't get a clear image. Um, one, another, but one way you can defeat the twinkling is something which we call uh, adaptive optics. So what you have is built into the instrument that was make, taking this imaging spectrometer, you've got, a, you've got a, a deformable mirror. So you have a mirror where using tiny little transducers, you can, you can slightly bend parts of the mirror. Okay. Right? And but you do that live. What you do is you, you fire a laser beam up into the sky to make an artificial star. You focus on that star. And if it's, out, if it's wobbly... You adjust the mirror to correct for the wobble in the air, then you switch the laser off, take your image. That's called adaptive optics, and optics, and that's that's the that's the absolute cutting edge of astronomy, and that's um, so yes, that's a lot of effort to go to to get this get these data. Truly incredible! A very historic day for astronomy, then. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's 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 incredible. So a real big revelation about the uh, about the origins of not just our galaxy, but part of the origins of the universe as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us and for uh, talking to us a little bit about this. It was a pleasure. I will uh, let you get back to um, the incredible world of, of physics. Thank you. There's a lot to prepare for the uh, coming uh, trimester. I'm sure there is. And um, physics students get excited because we're, you're about to um, start a, an exciting year with a, oh, hopefully, yeah. hopefully uh, plenty more wonderful scientific discoveries to come.